Welcome to another special edition of the OTP. I'm Amy Wells, joined by the Titans Radio Draft Duo. Coach Max, Coach Dave McGinnis is here. Hey, Coach. Hi, Amy Wells. And Rhett Bryan is also here. Hello, Rhett. Hi, Amy. Hello, Coach Max. Hello, Rhett. It's good to see all of you guys. We are all still at our homes, keeping a respectable distance from one another, but it's good to see your shining virtual faces. <laughs> Look, any any social contact I can get right now, I will take, but especially with you guys. This is good. All right. Now, we are going to start today with a very important topic in the 2020 draft, and that is the wide receivers. Now, this draft class is jam-packed full of wide receivers, and I kind of want to talk in generalities a little bit, and this is a question for the both of you. In 2004... There were seven wide receivers who were taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Rhett, do you think that this 2020 draft could match that just in terms of the number of receivers taken in the first round? Amy, I'm going to say no. While this draft is being touted by a lot as maybe the greatest wide receiver draft in the history of the draft, I see uh, as many as five going in the first round. Uh, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. Henry Ruggs from Alabama, Jerry Judy from Alabama, Justin Jefferson from LSU, and possibly LaVishka Chenault from Colorado. Yeah, Amy, I, I agree with what Rhett says. And, and I think there are some that would warrant being in the first round. But bear in mind, just as we've talked about on earlier OTPs, about the separation of the draft between the quarterbacks and every other position, once quarterbacks are taken, it starts to push the other slots down. So I think there are at least that many as uh, seven was the number that you threw out there that are capable of being first round draft picks. I agree with Rhett. There probably won't be that many just because of the number of quarterbacks. Now, Mac, I want to talk to you about traits and evaluating these guys beyond just the standard catching the football. What are you looking to see out of a top wide receiver? You know what, Amy, in this draft, and it's been this way, I mean, the, the trend started you know, once all the rule changes started trending towards being more biased towards the offense and mainly in the passing game because the National Football League, you know, has, has trended towards the passing game just like it's, it's filtered down from the college game. And the things that I look for now, you're able to evaluate these receivers in college now because so many people are throwing the ball with multiple receiver sets. And so once you start looking for a receiver, now you start looking at the nuances to being a good receiver. How well does he release off of the line of scrimmage? How good is he at being able to separate from man coverage? How good is he at the catch point? Where, how, how quick can he recognize coverages and be able to settle down in the middle or the dead spots of zones? What does he look like in run after the catch? Is he a hand catcher? Okay, or is he a body catcher? How much is he synced up with his with his quarterback? And then how much is he able to defend if he is indeed a premier receiver? How much is he able to overcome and combat double teams? All of those things you can start to look at as nuances in a receiver's game. Now, the majority of these mock drafts have C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma as the first wide receiver off the board Rhett, what do you think sets him apart from some of the other guys in this draft? 
Lamb has consistent and successful catch attempts that have been routine when he's both wide open and when he's in crowded spaces against DBs. Some of the best hands in this draft belong to C.D. Lamb. And for his size, he has great body contortion and bend. He's six foot two, 198 pounds, really good explosiveness for jump balls and a 50-50 combat catching type of deal. His ability to quickly adjust off throw with change of direction can be a quarterback's best friend when an errant throw is a catch. He averaged 21.9 yards per catch in 2019 with Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Coach Mack, maybe give me one or two additional elite wide receivers in this group. I think Jerry Judy is in that elite level. And you could go Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb 1-1-A and flip them however you want to. But Jerry Judy, 6'1", 192 pounds. He's a junior coming out of Alabama. He wore number four for them there at Alabama. And he's got all the tools to be a number one X or slot in this league. He's got an entire route release package, as I talked about earlier in this podcast. He's got the ability to create separation. He's got elite feet, and his and he's got really good lower body flex, which means he can sink his hips, and he's really good run after catch. He needs to add a little muscle mass, and he needs work a little bit sometimes in some certain situations about leaning you know, towards and into the coverage sometimes. But in combat situations, he's good. He's got long speed. I think he's got a very high floor, as we talk about in the draft world, and he's a polished prospect. Uh, I, I think I think this guy, to me, is the number one receiver as soon as you put him on your roster. The other guy that I'm going to talk about is on the same team, okay, is Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. And, and when you start talking about Henry Ruggs, his skill set starts with elite speed, okay? He's got good ball tracking ability. He's six foot, 190 pounds. He wore number 11 for him. He's also a junior, but he's got really strong hands. Now, his speed, Amy, will dictate to most defenses that he goes up against that they have to back up. They have to, they have to concentrate on him just because that's one thing that you can't coach is pure speed that he has. And he has acceleration into contact. He's not just a jitterbug. He's 190 pounds and he'll accelerate into contact. He's not as polished a route runner yet as Judy that we talked about. But once he starts showing some sophistication in his releases, he's a first round pick. And he'll be somebody's slot receiver immediately when he gets on campus. To piggyback off of what Coach Mack is saying about Henry Ruggs from Alabama, possibly one of the most explosive wide receivers in this draft. As I've mentioned before in a previous OTP, to prove that point of his 100 touches in college football, 98 of them receiving, two of them as a running back, 25 touchdowns. He is a scoring threat and explosive in this deal and will be highly picked because of that. Now, Coach Mack, I want to ask you a question because you guys have now brought up Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, both from Alabama. And we've seen this before where one school will have two top wide receivers. I don't know if you guys remember a guy named A.J. Brown who plays for the Tennessee Titans <laughs> and D.K. Metcalf who went to Ole Miss and they were two top receivers coming out of the same school last year. Mac, how hard is it to grade guys independently of one another when they're both in the same offense and so it might limit the amount of touches that one player gets as opposed to another one? just because they're victims of being a part of an offense when there's only one football. Amy, that's a very insightful, and it's a layered question. It really is. It's got several layers to it. And let me say this. 
you know, when you're when you're watching tape, the first thing that you you want to do when you're watching a prospect is just concentrate on one player at a time, separate from anything else that is going on within the function of the offense or the defense. Now, when you're talking about two talented receivers like that on one team, now it brings it a little bit more into focus as far as the attention that they are going to get, not only from the, their offense as far as the quarterback using them as a primary target, it also gets into the attention that defenses are paying them. So clearly, if I'm going to double one player, if I'm going to double rugs, well, then then clearly on the other side, Judy's going to get more single coverage. If he gets more single coverage, then more than likely, then two is going to throw the ball over there more. And so once you get into that type of a look, when you're watching two very talented, just the same way that, that we did, your, your example of A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf is really, really good one. Then you've got to start to decide, is this guy getting a lot of catches because he's just that much better or he's that much crisper in his releases or he's better at dropping coverage or is he getting more throws because the other guy is demanding a double team and thus the throw is dictated to go over that way. So it's a really, really good question. And when you're watching, you've got to watch it with your bright lights on as far as looking at the whole big picture of it, which encompasses both of them. And then you, then you, then you narrow in and you microscopically look at each receiver individually as to how he's releasing, how he's doing, what his run after catch is. So it's a, it's a really insightful question. And it's something that you do have to take into account when you're watching two really great players on one team at one time. Rhett, tell me about a guy like Colorado's LaVisca Chenault. Now, is he still a top-ranking wide receiver, even though he's had some injury issues? Yes, he is, Amy. As a matter of fact, he had uh, surgery to repair a core muscle injury that he was actually working through when he was doing his tri workouts and everything in Indianapolis at the Combine. His hands are good and strong, but his route running needs some work because of his unique versatility. In fact, outside of the offensive line, there wasn't a position that he didn't play within that Colorado offense. He was treated as if he was an H-back. He also played out wide on the hip of the offensive tackle, running back, and even had some snaps at Wildcat quarterback. His best contributions came when he was treated primarily as a wide receiver, and that type of prior experience from multiple spots throughout the offense will provide an offensive coordinator with a multifaceted option to utilize in different spots. He is explosive. In 2018, he averaged nearly 11 yards from scrimmage per play. So yeah, he is definitely a top flight wide receiver. Are there other guys who you think could sneak into being day one picks? Yeah, there are. And I'll give you two, you know, just right off the top here. Uh, Jalen Rager from TCU, Frog. Okay, he's 5'11", 195 pounds. Number one, he's a junior. Now what Jalen Rager has, he's got what we call easy speed. In other words, he doesn't struggle to move. He doesn't struggle to get off the line of scrimmage. He can track the ball vertically, which is a big, big trait to have when you've got speed. He's a twitched-up athlete. He can create some separation. He's got track speed, but he's not a contact catcher, okay? And then he's not a great blocker right now in the, in the TCU system. His hands need a little work, but he's a Z receiver. He's a vertical threat, and he has upside also to work as a slot. So he's a creative guy. He's explosive. He's a speed mismatch to most corners. He's raw, but he's very fast. That is something that everybody always looks at in, in, in their receivers. The other guy I will point out is Justin Jefferson from LSU. 6'3", 192 pounds, number two. He's a junior, okay? He's a very versatile receiver, Amy. 
He's got the skills to play from the slot, from outside. He's a really good nuanced route runner. Earlier, your question about what the other traits that you look for, he, his, his route running is really good. He's got hands. He's got really good ball skills as far as, as, as catches away from his body. And, and, and what he is, he's not one of those. He's not just a jump off the screen dynamic athlete like we talked about rugs earlier on he ran a very good time he ran a sub four or five at the combine but he's an athlete and to me he's a very very good option if you bring justin jefferson into somewhere that already has a dominant receiver this guy will be an immediate starter as a number two and you'll be really glad you have him one for me that uh keeps jumping off the page is a guy that had a great combine in denzel mims of baylor uh, he had a, a lot of the measurables, and especially for a guy that's a big receiver, 6'3", 207, ran a sub-4, 440-yard dash, vertical leap of 38.5 inches, nearly an 11-foot uh, broad jump, so that shows all of the explosiveness. He's got huge mitts for hands, and the spring that he's got at his size has a chance to win a lot of contested catches at the next level. Denzel Nims, Mims of Baylor, keep him on your radar. Who are some of your favorite day two picks, guys who could be real impact players at the next level? Well, let's start with Chase Claypool of Notre Dame. He tore it up at the combine at six foot four, 238 pounds, under four five, showing big bursts for a big man. And another one that Coach Mack knows since he was a little baby is Michael Pittman Jr. of Southern Cal, another big wide receiver at six four, 223 pounds, another guy with four five, 40 yard speed. And uh, he had a great year at Southern Cal, would make an impact as a possession receiver uh, immediately. Those are two guys to keep on your radar as well. Yeah, I have known Michael Pittman Jr. since he was just a little – I coached his dad, Michael Pittman Sr. We drafted him when I was the head coach at, at, at the Arizona Cardinals. And so I've known him since he was in diapers. Anyway, I mean, he's grown into a really good athlete, and Rhett's 100% right. Here's a couple for me, Amy. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. He's number two. He's a senior, six foot, 201 pounds. Now, this guy's a big, big play threat guy. He's super twitchy, and he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's a strong, strong, tough runner. He's a kick returner and a punt returner. He struggles sometimes because he's so thick to, to clear press sometimes, and he needs more nuanced technique. But to me, he can be your primary return guy, and this is a guy that is very, very strong with the ball in his hands. And to me, that's a very, very important thing to have you know, as a receiver. He's not going to be a guy that's probably going to be an immediate number one, but he's going to be somebody that you're really, really happy that you've got on your squad when you start getting into ball games, and especially when you start getting deeper into the season when your depth needs to show up. The other guy for me is T. Higgins out of Clemson. 6'4", 215 pounds. He's number five. He was a junior. Now, this guy is completely different than Ayuk. He's got length. He's got size. He's got elevation ability, all right? He's got build-up speed. He's not an immediate just jump out of the blocks guy. He's got build-up speeds. But he's got a little bit of tightness in his hips and his knees that can limit him sometimes in some of what his route tree is and some of his elusiveness. But to me, he is a, he's going to be a number two receiver once he gets into somewhere. But his downfield combat catching ability is really at the top of the charts. And that's becoming a big, big need most of the time now in the National Football League because now with the pass interference rules the way they are, you've got a big receiver that's a combat catcher and you can throw it up. It's, not, it's going to be more than 50-50 for the offense. Most of those things are 70-30. 
for the offense if you've got a combat catcher. Now, when we talk about day three, we're talking about guys who are great values. Who are some wide receivers who could go in that day three, some of those later rounds, but would add a lot of value to an NFL team? Yeah, I'm going to mention one here, and I know Rhett's got some too because we, we've done every receiver that was at the Combine in the last week or so. But I'm going to, I'm going to mention Van Jefferson from Florida. 6'2", 197 pounds. He's number 12. He's a redshirt senior. He's a really, really good route runner. He's technique strong. He's got quick feet. He's a physical blocker. And I think he's a really good technique wide receiver. Look, he's 24 years old. And, and, and physically, I mean, he's probably about where he's going to be. He might get a tad stronger, but he, he is a slot receiver. He doesn't have great long speed, but he's got separation quickness. He's got long levers. He's very competitive with the ball in the air. Uh, this is a guy I would look at in day three. Let's not forget he's the son of former Titans wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson, if that name sounds familiar, in Van, who played high school football in Nashville. Let's go with Lynn Bowden of Kentucky. One of the top athletes in the country. Kentucky recruited him hard, got him there. The kid played quarterback, defensive back, punt return, and kick return in high school. Thrived at every position. He made all SEC freshman team as a freshman at Kentucky. He led the Kentucky Wildcats the following season in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. He can play nearly every position on the field. He's a slot receiver, probably is the best fit, but he has explosive hips, quick feet a deadly combo for change of direction. He even played some quarterback for them. He is an intriguing prospect that someone could get as a versatile athlete in day three. All right, give me a player or two that you think might be a late round pick or could really even go undrafted that you will be keeping a special eye on. Okay, I got about two or three guys here that I'm interested in. One is Omar Bayless of Arkansas State. He was 6'1 and change, 200 and change. Uh, and if you just go look at his highlight reel, he makes a lot of really impressive one-handed touchdown catches. Uh, he is a, a big enough receiver, didn't run a super great 40 time, and I think it's probably what keeps him probably at the end of day three or probably undrafted. But he's an athlete that I think could help some teams, especially on the back end of a roster. And then there are two receivers from the University of Rhode Island. Yes, Rhode Island, I said. Isaiah Coulter. 6'2", 198, ran a 40-time under four and a half seconds, got a lot of the explosion measurables in that, and had a great year for, for Rhode Island. And then he has a cousin and a college teammate in Aaron Parker, also of Rhode Island. Both of those guys led their team and led their conference in catches and touchdowns and receptions, and those guys are definitely intriguing to see as the end of day three and undrafted phone calls are starting to be placed. Yeah, Amy, I've got a couple of guys. The first I'm going to mention is Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. I mean, he's a 6'3", 215-pound guy. He was number 89. He's a senior. This guy is a physical receiver. Now, he had a pre-combine injury. And so he's a guy that you're going to have to do some extra work on. And now with the, with the environment the way it is, I don't know how much you're going to be able to see him or what they're going to be able to do as far as his physical now coming into this draft. But he's a physical receiver. He's more consistent hands, but he's got some tools to work with. And at 6'3", 215 pounds, Brian Edwards is a guy from South Carolina, number 89, I would keep my eye on. And the other guy is Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty. He's got really good ball skills. He can track the ball. He's got length. He's another combat catcher ability. He would be a real red zone threat. He'd have a spot on a roster. Yeah, Coach Max right about Brian Edwards. And it's a shame for him because – a pre-draft workout has him with a right foot 
uh, fracture, stress fracture, a Jones fracture of the fifth metatarsal that really kind of set him back. Now, now Coach Mack, I want to end with you. We continue to see depth in the wide receiver position in the draft. This seems to be a trend. Do you think this is a sustainable trend? Are we going to continue to see a lot of dominant wide receivers in drafts for years to come? You know what, Amy? I like the question, and it's got a lot of relevancy, and it also relates to the number of cornerbacks we are seeing now come out in the draft. I mean, here's what you're looking at. You're looking at offenses that are using four and five receivers you know, the majority of the time in college football, even your tight ends or big wideouts that are split out a lot. And so, yeah, you're going to continue to see the number of these people. And I think it goes clear back to the seven-on-sevens that kids are having in high school. You're having summer high school seven-on-sevens. You're having a lot of kids now play receiver that might normally be running backs, might normally play another position. We're going to continue to see this. Not only, not only, let's not talk about the trend in the National Football League. Let's talk about the trend in high school football. Let's talk about the trend in college football that is all filtering up to the athletes that are coming into the National Football League to be part of, part of this, this league. Definitely going to be fun to watch not only this draft, but many drafts to come. Draft Duo, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thanks, Amy Wells. Rhett and I have been talking together for about three hours a day on the phone, so it's good to talk to somebody else on the phone. That's true. I would agree. <laughs> well, maybe next time we'll do this separately then so we can get your guys' no, opinions no, separate. We, no, we got to stay with draft duo. That's not, right. Not draft uno, draft duo. <laughs> All right. Well, with the draft duo, Rep. Brian and Coach Mack, thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to continue doing these position previews. Don't you worry. So subscribe to the OTP. Just do the right thing. Make sure that you are keeping tuned into the official Titans podcast because the draft is quickly approaching. For Coach Mack and Rep. Brian, otherwise known as the draft duo, I am Amy Wells. Thank you for listening to the OTP.